0: Welcome to a football show Monday edition the beginning of the week of the underwear Olympics in Indianapolis brought to you by sinkers beverages and the Kingston group two brands that have always wanted their name in the same sentence as underwear Olympics. That is Zach Lyons. I am Braden Gall. We do appreciate all of you joining us. So go ahead and jump into the comments. If you have any questions today's a good episode for it. We'll get to some college football stuff at the end because there's just been total chaos Zach and we haven't had a lot of chance to talk about any SEC football whether there's an investigation in the NCAA antitrust lawsuits, expanding the playoff, new television contracts. So we'll do some stuff at the end of the show. Uh maybe. I mean sometimes we we plan that and it never happens. So some we'll see uh after we get to all the Titan stuff because there's there's wide receiver news. There's wide receiver news with players that are in the NFL as wide receivers and there's wide receivers news with players that are going to be in the NFL soon and uh, obviously lots of stuff about the combine. It it is assumed, however, that both Brian Callahan and Rankarthon will be available to the media in some way, shape, or form throughout the course of the week. I know uh, a lot of good folks up there doing some good coverage. Uh, so if you if you care about all the details and the minutia of this stuff, we've got plenty of stuff for you, of course. Uh, Stackintheinbox.com. Justin
1: and JT will be up there.
0: Eason and JT are up there, Kaharski's up there, so Full 40's got you guys covered, uh, of course, so make sure you check out all those great shows and all those platforms uh, across everywhere. So, um, other stuff to get to today, I, I do have um, sort of, what do we expect to hear from from the Titans brass, the decision makers, and maybe what do we want to hear, maybe how those are different uh, throughout the course of this, this week and this conversation, so we'll do that a little bit later on. So, if you want to jump in to the comments, and yes, if you'd like to present T. Higgins Trades, I will allow it this one episode. This one Present
1: it so I can ignore
0: it and make fun of you for even thinking that you should be trading for T Higgins right now. I, I tend to agree once the <laughs> once the franchise tag has been signed. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. And we'll have that conversation. Uh, I do want to start sinkers beverages, of course, right there. Got the shirt on. They got good swag, of course. Sign up for the in crowd. We're going to have an NFL draft watch party. We'll have information about that coming up. Uh, it's going to be a even bigger blowout than last year. It's going to be a ton of fun. So make sure you sign up for the in crowd at Sinkers Beverages. They, they've got their own version of that. Oh, hey, they've got their own version of that, of course, um, at uh, Bluegrass Beverages as well. I think it's back-to-back-to-back to back to back liquor store of the year in Nashville. Sinkers Beverages, uh, Uber Eats, search Sinkers Beverages. Have that booze delivered directly to your house, act. They drive so you can drink. Yep, and Kingston Group. Locally owned custom home and remodeling firm, award-winning, owned by a football player, mind you, who played football in the SEC in this city. This is a local guy from here that that has grown up here and has launched uh, this company. Kingston Group's been around since 2008, I believe. Uh, 15 years, 16 years now, they've been going on doing great work in this city. My family uses them. We built uh, a carport. We had to do some wall work, I guess, if that's a thing, upstairs. Uh, We use the Kingston Group and their great friends if they can't help you, they will find somebody that can. So check out the Kingston Group and check out Sinker's Beverages. Before we get into the receivers, Zach, I have a question for you. I wanted to, to spring on you without preparing you because oh, I, I want I want to see where your brain goes with this. Truly, and and honestly, anybody in the comments, I, I really want to hear from folks because I took uh, I took my five year old who is obsessed with soccer and Hani Mukhtar to the opener on Sunday night. Um, certainly subdued crowd without Walker Zimmerman, Hani Mukhtar, same surge like their two best goal scorers and their best defenseman. The crowd wasn't necessarily, I didn't expect it to be a a boisterous and crazy crowd, but it is the season opener. Um, It's a, it's a stadium that's very, very popular. It's a, it's certainly a sport that is not ever going to draw ratings, even as, as much as the, the Preds draw ratings and the Preds don't even come close to what the SEC draws and the SEC doesn't come close to what the Titans draw. So ultimately what I was thinking about while watching this and thinking about population trends in this city and sports fans in this city, you've been here a long time. I've been here a long time. Like, are we ever going to, are we ever going to hit a mark where we are sort of as committed to our professional sports as fans, as maybe SEC, as maybe those fans in those markets? Is it, are we ever going to be a true sports market? We have three professional teams. Um, We decided to be a pro sports town when we voted to bring the Titans here and build that stadium for them. We built another, we're going to build another stadium for them. And while the NFL does enormous television numbers, the Titans do in this market, they dominate the highest rated TV shows every year, the top 17 or whatever. I'm just curious if you think we'll ever be a diehard sports market, or if we're always going to be sort of a next, next hot party kind of market. Does that make sense?
1: I, I think that you can look at this in two different ways. Are we a premier destination city? for franchises or for like leagues to put a franchise at. Yes. Is that because of the fans? No, that is because it is a destination city. And so they know that even if maybe the fans that are like the hometown fans, right? Like these Nashville residents or whatever, don't, if they, if even if they don't support it as much as maybe other markets, home team uh, fans would hometown fans would, they're gonna still get their money back because it's still Nashville and other teams fans will come travel here. We'll never be a um I don't know how Pittsburgh is with baseball, but the Pittsburgh Steelers, Pittsburgh Penguins, yeah. Those that that kind of like that's a storied, like they have everything you could want, and all their teams are there or and all their fields and all this stuff are in one area. Yes litter that downtown area that's just one of the 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 things the the cities that popped in my head as a premier chicago would be a really good premier sports town that's comparable to nashville in a lot of ways that they'll never be that it it just won't and i think it's because of the transient nature of the population the nomadic the nomads coming in there's no room for uh grassroots growth i guess is a good way maybe to put it
0: and you know I, that's my first thought too. Like, okay, if we're going to be expanding by seventy people or whatever it was, hundred people back in the day, and now it's the, the growth is slowed, but it's still we're going to be a three million person city in the next twenty or thirty years. We're at about one and a half in the greater Nashville area outside. We're at about seven hundred thousand, eight hundred thousand Nashville Metro. You can kind of do the math on where we're going. And th- there's two things working against each other, right? It's all the people moving here, but it's also like people like my kids and people like me and you who are now middle aged but like grew up here. And are now have been Preds fans, like an entire generation of Preds fans now exist, an entire new generation of Titans fans exist. And what does Pittsburgh and Kansas City and some of these other markets have that Nashville doesn't? Well, 75 years of history and multiple Super Bowls, <laughs> like that helps. Yeah. And already a few people in the comments, uh, Zach says depends on how good Will Levis is. Um, and I do think, and I this is just hit me just now while I'm while we're talking about this, and this is why I wanted to do it off the cuff, which is Tannehill was adopted to some degree as well. But that team was so good. Like, you, like, I was there when Derrick Henry ran for 99 yards. It was like not, it was half empty. Like, they were a really good football team for a couple of years. And it's almost as if that was also a really, really cold game. But
1: that again speaks to the nature of the fan base, right? You don't have fans that are willing to right now, they weren't really willing then because that was the coming out party for Derrick Henry. So they were kind of like, are we. Are we going to see the Titans in the playoffs? Are we not going to see the Titans in the playoffs? What's going on with this team? It's kind of a weird team. And then it's cold. It's December. It's raining. Like, it's it's just this recipe. It's all for, true. It's all true. For n- fans not to want to come because there are, I'm not saying there's not any diehard fans, but when you consider other, when you consider what teams that, like, even Cleveland, Cleveland Browns fans, the dedication they show have shown over the years to at least go and put paper bags (laughs) over their heads. Lions. And Cleveland weather. Lions Lions have done it pretty, pretty well with their attendance records. Um, you look at um I mean, teams in the the North care more about the
0: NFL. Teams in the North care more about the NFL the way the South cares about college football. So that's another force that the NFL has to fight. But at the same time, like so it's not just like adoption versus born here, which is actually Preds and Titans to begin with. And, and again, we'll, we, we can kind of move on from this if you want to, but I do think if they were like, we're going to build this whole new thing and it's going to be extraordinary, but it's also still a debate with Nashvillians about who that is really designed for. And it's, a, it's about the, the visitors and the tourists and the travelers as much as it is the locals who are probably going to get like really, really expensive C- PSL <laughs> assignments coming up in a couple of years and, and soccer is very popular. Like National SC is a very popular team. The Preds are a very popular team. Even when they're bad, they're, they, you know, they can sell some tickets. I think. And I think this is also a testament to people like you and to the audience who's paying attention. I do think that the audience is growing up. The fan base is growing up before our eyes. I think the work that you and Herndon have done, along with a variety of others, to introduce analytics into the media kind of sort of as a common. Introduce it uh, quicker than the Titans did. <laughs> yes, but I think it means our fans in this city are smarter than they were 10 years ago, I think. I think they absolutely are. I think there's a more diverse media group that's covering this team in a smarter way than there was 10 years ago. And I think that is going to help the fan base grow, but I couldn't help, but like it. just three years into a brand new, the biggest soccer-only specific stadium in the country... With a team that's been to the playoffs every year, again, I understand they had some injuries and maybe some folks weren't playing, and that damp that tamp down expectations. But I, it's the oh, season I opener. Think
1: there's there's no what there's no excitement in the off season for the for soccer. So it's kind of like oh soccer, unless you're a die hard soccer fan, it's like oh soccer just started. Do we want to go this weekend or do we want to go another weekend? Like it's I, and I think that's the issues. Like NFL at least dominates the off season. the same with the nba the nhl doesn't really but they yeah. you know here in the area we have good coverage there's no good ra- there there is good radio coverage of the soccer team and there's good coverage of the soccer team uh, especially over at broadway sports the speed the speedway soccer guys but it's not like every morning you're getting a dose or every afternoon you're getting a segment dedicated to nashville soccer because no offense to the guys like Robbie and Joe and you know uh Ramon Kayla and Will, which Will kind of does know, but it's kind of hard for him to get his soccer takes in. You, you right can't you now. can't He's talk soccer, soccer. Because It's you, football. You gotta talk football, right? Can,
0: in radio it's football
1: creds and soccer. So it's just kind of like a losing <laughs> battle to <laughs> even know that oh, the it's right around the corner,
0: right? It, it, Let's it, 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 it's just right around the yes, corner. Yes, yes, but actually in radio it goes football, 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 yeah, football preds slash soccer and even above that would be lady vols and like rick barnes and and dalton connect would be above i would tune that.
1: out to i would tune out of uh lady vols. but it draws it draws
0: more interest than than, than soccer and, and i think even the preds and i think to 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 zach's point here and i think this is we can again i didn't want this to take over the show but i did want to hear from you guys and zach says i don't view the titans as a hand-me-down personally i'm 23 so the titans were the Titans for basically my whole life. And I think that is the group of people that needs to come into their own as adults with buying power to support the team. And I think that's what's happening right now, is that especially, again, if Will Levis is good and Brian Callahan is good and Rand Carthon does his job and this team sort of slowly begins to look more like the modern NFL and all of a sudden there's a new stadium and all these, these kids have grown up with Steve McNair jerseys and Eddie George jerseys and Derek mason jerseys and they all of a sudden they're you know 30 and they're the ones that have the jobs and the time to go to these games i I think that changes a little bit because i think that does combat the transient nature of the city to some degree but i'm sitting at that i also think
1: there's a big learning i think jason says it great and we haven't even touched on it but the learning curve to learn about hockey and to learn about soccer where you know you grow in the south you grow up knowing through some transient property, maybe it's passed on in the womb and you're fed <laughs> football information, but it feels like you just know about football yeah. when you reach a certain age, you almost know all the rules and all this and all that. You can appreciate what you're watching yeah. Yeah. with hockey and with, especially back in the day. So if you consider our age, it was it was terrible to try to watch hockey in standard definition and try to watch that on TV. It was like, uh, it's not like when it's on at a, you know, I, can remember the, I can't remember the name of the pizza place, but there's some pizza place. And it's like NBA's on or hockey's on. And then they turn the hockey off to put on the NBA because you can actually watch the fucking game and yeah. know what's going on.
0: I, I, I agree. So in hockey, uh, just to those that don't know, to Jason's point and to your point, Pete Weber and Terry Crisp, who are the two original broadcasters doing TV and radio at the same time, they had to go down and do seminars with season ticket holders to describe like icing and two line passes and that kind of stuff. That is not the case with soccer. I wish they
1: would do that seminar again. I need that, that seminar.
0: You might. And maybe you do. That is not the case with soccer. I played
1: soccer, so it's a little bit soccer,
0: me soccer, we we have a very large soccer youth community. Chattanooga and Nashville are both very, very big soccer communities. But, the, youth but the,
1: the adults have to be the soccer fans, not the kids. And that, that's particular well, time point in time because who's buying the tickets?
0: Well, but it's what I'm saying is I grew up in the 90s playing soccer at high school in, in middle Tennessee and like our girls team at Franklin High School went to the state championship game and we drove down to, to Chattanooga as a group of people to go support them at like a bunch of guys going to support the girls or whatever like that was bait that was in us as kids and so now I'm 41 and the reason why we have season tickets is because I grew up liking soccer. I grew up with the World Cup in 94. I, I think soccer is very different than hockey in this market. I just was like soccer takes so little effort to, to support. Like you just kind of show up for like a pretty cheap ticket and have a really great time at a state of the art facility. And I was, I was sort of like taken aback at how like the whole thing was pretty chill. Like it what, there wasn't like a lot of intensity. There wasn't a lot of energy. There wasn't a lot of seasons here, 2024. Like it just wasn't. And I don't, I find that Vanderbilt, although it's a very small alumni base, I find that at Titans games a lot as well. Um, it doesn't mean there aren't moments when the Titans fans are, fabulous they they are there's plenty of those um so we'll 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 see (laughs) uh here we go i'm the inverse of Braden, uh team ramrod titans fan living in wisconsin that's true that is exactly true um so anyway i just wanted to i wanted to ask your opinion because you've been here a long time i do think 20 years from now we we i think the titans fan base is smarter older more established and the stadium's better so i think i agree Okay. Uh, All right. I thought that was a good way
1: to end the discussion. (laughs) Okay.
0: No, perfect. Perfect. T. t uh, Higgins is tagged by the Cincinnati Bengals, which means they have, I believe, until July 15th to uh, sign a long-term deal. The tag then kicks in one year, $21.8 million. There can also be a trade involved in all of this. So tell everybody, tell the kids, Zach, uh, brought to you by Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group, why the Tennessee Titans should not entertain a trade for T. Higgins
1: because he's not worth the draft capital you have to give up. He's not worth the money that you're going to have to pay. Do we, and, and, and it depends on what the money actually is going to end up being, you know, Spotrack had him at like 18.6, which I think is kind of low, but I think that like 21.8 is kind of like the sweet spot for T Higgins. You know, I, I look at the, the recent deals, and the recent deals that are getting one-upped by receiver by receiver by receiver are receivers that are a thousand times better than T. Higgins. I mean, T. Higgins isn't even close to the guys that are due up for new deals. He ain't even close to Jamar Chase on his own team getting a new deal. So these people who think and there's a lot of it. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm about to mute T. Higgins because this is where I'm kind of at on, on that. How many people just do not understand what T Higgins is actually worth. And it's, it's bingles fans who overinflate his own value. It's Titans fans who think that, you know, Oh, wait, well, you know, give a, give a second round for T Higgins. And then, you know, you know, but you got paid like $35 million a year. And I'm like, what the fuck are you guys talking about that? You think that he's getting paid more than, than Tyree
0: kill? Here's the thing. And you can only get him for a second round? Come on. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And listen, here's the thing. The the Bengals are going to shop, and you're going to hear rumors all week. The reason why they tagged him, the reason why they did all that is because you can't, you're not allowed, in quotation marks, (laughs) you're not allowed to talk about a player with any other team that's not under contract. So they couldn't technically talk, and I'm trying to figure out, here we go, (laughs) definitely <laughs> talk um, about T Higgins and trades. And I'm doing quotation marks, air marks uh, for the, the listeners. They wouldn't be allowed to do that if he wasn't tagged. Now, listen, is anybody going to really report him or whatever? And aren't yeah. they all going to talk about everything anyway, when they're all drunk and off the, <laughs> off the books? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you're going to hear, Oh, you know, blah, 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 team, this and that you're going to hear, The Titans, the Panthers, and everybody linked to T. Higgins. But at the end of the day, the way the since and me and and Stoney talked about this last night, the way the, the Bengals are built, okay? The way that they are built, the timing of the roster, the timing of the AFC that is around them, the timing of their own division, they don't have time to take risks they're going to try and keep T Higgins unless someone comes in and blows them away with a ridiculous offer. And that, that team is an idiot team. I mean, and if that's the Tennessee Titans, I will get out here and say they are an idiot team unless they're stealing them for like a fourth and a fifth or a fourth and a sixth or something like that. Right. Unless they're stealing them for that. And then he comes in and signs a modest contract. Then, you know, I'm not going to say anything. The Bengals have, the leverage that's why the tag is there for is to give the NFL teams leverage so they have the leverage they have the money so just so everybody knows the Bengals have now that they've officially tagged him his salary cap hit has hit their bottom line so his 21.8 they still have 52.4 million dollars this year in the cap even if he plays on the full amount of the tag and they don't do an extension next year With Jamar Chase's fifth year option, which is also 21.8 mil Mm. on the books, they're going to have 80 mil to 85 mil in cap space, roughly. Maybe even more. Okay? So they have the cap space. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about cash.
0: Nothing makes me happier than watching you get frustrated over people's lack of understanding over the salary (laughs) cap
1: So let's talk about the cash, right? Okay, twenty one point eight is already up there because they're gonna have to pay that cash if if he signs it, and that's what he plays on. They have to pay that in cash this year. So cash this year for them is two hundred eight million, which is tenth most in the NFL. Okay, big whoop. It's it's two oh eight million in cash that the Browns have to pay. They have they only have on the books next year, including Jamar Chase, one hundred thirty three million cash on the books. So they have the cash in future years to afford all three guys. These people who say they can't afford all three guys are ridiculously dumb. So let me say this. And, and I agree with Andrew. And I think the reason why I hate talking about this but also do want to talk about this is because I'm so sick and tired of the disinformation and the bad information that's being put out there very loud, very frequently. And the Bengals can afford. Listen, the Bengals could just tag him again next year if they want. Yeah,
0: the, and this is not just a T. Higgins thing. This is a fill in the blank with free agent that's getting tagged that you think your team should trade for a conversation. Right, right. Like, it, it's, like to it's,
1: me, because here's the thing. Uh, and me and Mike got in this big argument about this. He thinks that everybody can build about around like the Chiefs. Like the apparently the Bengals can be the same way as the Chiefs, right? They they can do the same thing because Joe Burrow. Is there? But the Chiefs have spent time over the years investing and investing properly in their offensive line and the defense. The Bengals are several years behind. They do not have time to just give up on T. Higgins and let Tyler Boyd go as well and just have Jamar Chase and a bunch of guys that you don't even know if they're going to be good or not. Because we have all seen that story play out numerous times at numerous positions where x team lets the player go they're like well we'll just pick them up in the draft and then that guy doesn't do shit well, it they, happens they, all the time it happens here happens in yeah. every position we've seen it i don't, so I don't know what the I, odds
0: are but i assume they're top five afc statistical probability of winning the super bowl i assume
1: right i mean i would assume and and they can still afford to get other people this idea that everybody's looking at apy you know how much i hate aav and people use that a V is a lazy man's tool to discuss the the situation of surrounding salary caps of free agents and all this stuff. You need to use cash per year or percentage of cash that they account for, percentage of the cap hit that they account for. And guess what? When they tag T. Higgins at twenty one point eight, if they get an extension done, his salary cap uh, hit goes down in twenty twenty four, and then they could turn around and extend Jamar Chase. And guess what? All these cap hits and all these cash flows are going to be hitting at different times. You can sign all three. Okay, you can sign all three if you're the Cincinnati Bengals. Does not mean they will. Yeah, right. But you can, and right. that's my biggest thing: is can't versus won't. And yep. or it's not a good idea, too, when it is a good idea, too, because every roster is built differently. So every team requires a different philosophy and different strategy when it comes to resigning players, player acquisition and roster management.
0: Yeah, Stoney says also to Higgins is going to cost at least three hundred and fifty million dollars for two seasons. <laughs> I would say that I think I think one seventy five a year is too much AAV for a wide receiver. Just gonna put that out there. Um, the people that so, think
1: that he's gonna get paid more than Tyree Kill are just out of this world Looney Tunes dumbasses.
0: So somebody said, "I'm scrolling all the way back to the top because I think this was a really good question here." Uh, square up, so ask this very, very beginning. Hopefully, Square up, you're still with us. And for those of you who are with us, please click, uh, like, retweet on Twitter. Give us a subscription on YouTube, share the product. I know you get asked that all the time, but it really matters to us and it really means a lot. So give us a little thumbs up there. Click subscribe. It's a big deal. It matters a lot to us and to sinkers beverages and to Kingston group. But square up says neighbors draft stock will be rising like crazy with Marvin Harrison jr. Not partaking in the combine or any pro day activities. Not only is he not partaking, he's not training for any of it, which I think is lovely and wonderful because he's getting ready to play football. Uh, I actually disagree With square up's take. And I'm using that not to point out his his you know his take on this, but just to start the conversation about Marvin Harrison. He will not do he's gonna be there, he's gonna talk to folks, but he's not he's not even like practicing, he's not training, he's back at Ohio State, he's getting no pro day, he's doing a he's at Ohio State with with strength and conditioning folks getting ready to play football in August, or I guess in July when camp opens up. And there is zero percent chance his stock is affected by this decision. His stock may be affected by other things, Uh, somebody having an interview or somebody not seeing something on tape or, or, or seeing something extra here or there. It it may be affected by other things. And when I say affected, I mean, he could go from like number one or to number six. Like, (laughs) you know, like that is the range with which he is going to go. We've seen players sit out bowl games. Doesn't affect their stock. We've seen players not throw at the combine. Caleb Williams is not going to throw this week. Doesn't affect their stock. This people like to to overreact to what does or does not affect the evaluation of a football player. Marvin Harrison, as they say, it's in the can. The work is done. He's put it on film. Three straight years of, of domination. He had
1: January so. and December off. So good for him.
0: <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, he didn't even didn't even play in the cotton bowl against Missouri. So I,
1: I don't think it's a big deal, but I do think I mean, it depends on what your view of hurting your stock is. And I think when you are so widely regarded to you, you, when you have a 1B, right, to your 1A, Marvin Harrison Jr. is 1A, and Malik Neighbors is 1B. Agree. This, it's not necessarily that he's not performing at the combine or a pro day, it's maybe more so than Malik Neighbors is. So you, that's kind of how Daniel Jeremiah and Lance Zierlein, uh, no, Stane Dane Brugler and Lance Zierlein have both come out and said it. And, and a lot of people are like, you know, well, it doesn't really matter, but it could matter to certain teams that already had him as a wide receiver. One, talking about Malik Neighbors. And there are supposedly a lot of teams who do. So that kind of cements... His stock, so it's not necessarily that he's losing ground on those draft boards because he's not going to lose ground to Romo Dunze, right? but he didn't gain ground, I guess, is right. how I kind of view it. But at the end of the day, I would be so surprised and shocked if Marvin Harrison Jr. was yeah. not the first wide receiver Do, off the board.
0: It's no different than the calculus that takes place in a bowl game. Can you gain ground by doing X, Y, or Z? In this case, go to the combine, do the workouts, do the running or in a bowl game. Like Maybe there's a percent chance you could add a sliver of value to your stock. What's the risk? The risk, the calculus is that there's tremendous risk of a torn ACL if if you play in a bowl game or if you're training and running. Again, even lower with the combine than playing in a bowl game because you have variables you can't control in a bowl game. But ultimately, those—that's the reason, and and it does not affect your stock. I don't. I don't know how. I had to. I had to yell at my audience on like back when I was working on Space Radio when McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette sat out, and I was like, guys, this is not going to affect their draft stock. Yeah. General managers don't give a shit about the Tax Slayer Bowl or the Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana. No one cares. And and we've reached the point now when if you are, so, I think, and we can talk about this a little bit maybe on Thursday. Maybe it's better time for us to do this preview, but like. I think it matters to players projected between 150 and 300. I think there's move, more movement there when like, your film is less certain and scouts have more questions about who you are as a player. I think then you can do yourself a lot of good or maybe some harm in the combine. But by and large, the big boards, and you say this all the time, like, study certain big boards and certain mocks because they're, they're not j- judged on who they think are good players. They're judged on what they're hearing from NFL executives. And by and large, that board doesn't change all that much from, you know, midseason, end of season through this process. The best players are largely known
1: already. Tiebreakers, right? I mean, you you can't I I don't think that Marvin Harrison Jr. has the the obviously the the clear cut best tape out of all the wide receivers, because I think you can make a case that they all have really good tape. Right. And I, I in different ways, they have different skills. All three of those guys have really good tape. And and I do wonder a little bit in the back of my head if he was Marvin Franklin the <laughs> third, right? Junior, would everybody have him as a clear consensus number one? I don't know, maybe not. But I do think that I think that, and I've thought this for a while, that I think that Malik Neighbors and Marvin Harrison Jr. If I was drafting, I'm drafting Malik Neighbors over Marvin, Marvin Harrison Jr. But But again, for me, Malik Neighbors is 1A, he's 1B. Roma Doomsday is a clear number two. So I can see why teams would like what Malik Neighbors has over Marvin Harrison Jr. Because there is a difference. People are like, well, what the fuck does a 40-time matter? Well, I mean, there is GPS tracking, and so it's kind of antiquated to look at 40 times. But there is something to be said about how teams view general managers scouts view the combine so you know to me it's like if if you've already seen the tape and you've already seen the speed on tape yeah. now you've seen it in a different way and i so, think the more information you have the better
0: Yes. Yeah, so so square up. Good thanks for following up. I do appreciate it. It hurts his adjusted adjustment year one into the league. Not doing any football activities will hurt his transition into playing. Neighbors That's not can what be he's a better doing. guy. That's literally not what he's doing. He's literally yeah. doing all the football stuff. Like he is preparing for football season. So he's doing training, he's doing training camp training for an extra three months. So he's actually doing yeah. more to prepare himself for the start of the season than these guys who are doing You know, again, I get it. If you're a running back who's projected in the seventh round, you better bust your ass training on the forty. Like I get it. That it's it sucks that that's what it is. But if I'm Cody Schrader, I'm doing a lot. I might be cutting weight. I might be doing different things to prepare for this week of activity because these physical mm-hmm. activities are different than what his body needs to be ready for. You hear about it all the
1: time, but these guys are training for sprint. Yes. They're training for, for, for the this. They're yes. training for that. And
0: Marvin Harrison's like, "Fuck and, you that!" Know, I guess.
1: I guess. I guess <laughs> Traylon Burks didn't train for anything his offseason heading into year one. All right, uh, all right. but uh, <laughs> um, to to uh, but and they, I think but they do. They and 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 I I. I like the fact that Marvin Harrison Jr. is doing what he's doing because he kind of just knows, okay, if I'm not yeah. wide receiver one, I'm wide receiver two. I may have cost myself five hundred, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, maybe a million dollars over the contract. It don't it don't really the, matter.
0: The Tennessee but I'm gonna Titans, be really damn good.
1: The Tennessee right? Titans
0: like, are not passing on Marvin Harrison Jr. at seven. Yeah, right. They're not. They're not yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't
1: and I don't think anybody's <laughs> technically passing because he's not at the combine on Marvin Harrison, I think people are passing because they already had Malik neighbors and Malik sure. neighbors then sure. does the combine and, or the pro day and boom. Sure.
0: There he goes. Sure. And, but ultimately my point is, is that there is no chance. Marvin Harrison falls behind seven in the draft. There's just no chance. If he is sitting there on oh the draft God. board, I- I, don't think he's still,
1: I think he's still the first wide receiver.
0: I agree. And if neighbors is there or neighbors is not there, Marvin Harrison Jr. is not passing the Tennessee Titans at seven. I do think, and this transition transitions us right into what we kind of expect to hear or want to hear from the Tennessee Titans. And I was thinking about two things that I want to get your opinion on back to these wide receivers. Um, and that is, there is a chance because the, the Bengals went and got burrow and then went back to back years, right? They go number one, overall burrow, number four, Jamar chase. And and Burrow got his ass kicked because they had no offensive line, no way to protect him for those years. And that built to what eventually is now one of the better teams in the AFC. So they did it that way. And there's a chance that Brian Callahan just clearly values a elite number one receiver more than anything else on his roster. And and that just I could be completely think but besides quarterback. That is what he he it is. So so and I'm kind of just it. so I mean, kinda, I don't
1: think we even have to assume he's told us.
0: Right. And, and so what I'd like, what I, what I then started processing is, okay, well, maybe they just don't value tackle. Maybe they're going to go receiver no matter what. So then I started thinking about these three guys and what I would love to hear from Brian Callahan at the combine. And we can talk about a lot of different positions and we'll get to Carthon in a second brought to you, of course, by sinkers beverages and the Kingston group. What I think is interesting is sort of, I want to, I would love to hear, and I don't expect this, but, but maybe he gives us some, 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 some nuggets because Denard Wilson kind of did. I would love to know what Brian Callahan is looking for from a skill set standpoint from different positions, because for example, at wide receiver, if we get some nuggets about what type of player he might be looking for. And he said sort of like what fast physical. And I can't can't remember what the other one was um, in terms of what he's looking for from receiver. I think there's a, there's a big difference between a Dunze and neighbors. For example, let's assume Harrison's off the board. If they want someone it, a little bit more cut from the DeAndre Hopkins mold, who's going to be great in press man coverage, who's going to be physical at the line of scrimmage, great at maybe an inaccurate quarterback down the field with a big catch radius, and he's great in contested catches situations, great red zone target, then Adunze is the, is the guy over neighbors. If you're looking for more of a, an explosive play yak guy that can do more creative things, that is a little bit quicker off the ball, and is going to cl- kind of close that gap on corners a lot quicker I think neighbors is your guy. So I don't know if we're going to hear anything like that from Callahan, but I would be interested to see if, what your translator says about what Callahan says this week about skills that he's looking for on offense.
1: Yeah. And and I think when you have the chance to talk to a guy like Brian Callahan, who's willing to give you a little bit more information, maybe questions you wouldn't have asked of Rabel or new, cause you knew you're going to get the answer. That wasn't going to be what you're looking for. You can flip around like if you got your notebooks from a couple of combines ago, now's the time to bust them out and <laughs> ask the questions to Brian Callahan, because at this point I think that Brian Callahan's willing to talk about wide receivers all damn day long, because that's what he's. I'm telling. I'm just telling you that's what he's drafted. Like I'd be just totally surprised if if right now at seven it's not a wide receiver. Okay. I would just be shocked. I, I would be clearly shocked because that is what he has told us. Let's not ask him about Pinay or Jamar Chase anymore. It's time for the media to move on from that and now to focus on the prospects at hand, to focus on what's the philosophy, trying to root out what his philosophy is in terms of the traits they're looking for. Because now they've had the staff inside the building. They got Rand Carthon inside the building. All the scouts are back, all this stuff. So they have had meetings to pick out what is going to be their profile for prospects. Like, what are you looking for in a wide receiver? You have DeAndre Hopkins, and you really don't have anything else. You have Chica Conquo and Spears, but you really don't have anything else. So what are you looking for? Are you looking for a wide receiver that is opposite of DeAndre Hopkins, or are you looking for just a wide receiver that you know yep. that no matter what, in the final two minutes, you can go to that guy down the field and he's gonna catch the ball whether there's someone on him or someone not. Okay. And to me, Roma Dunze fits that bill better than Malik Neighbors. Now, if you're just looking for, I mean, I think Malik Neighbors will get to that point, but like right now, I think Roma Dunze is day one ready to be a guy that you can rely on in the final two minutes of a game to make a contested catch and get out of bounds or get a touchdown or something like that. But you are right. He is a much more light years ahead athletically than DeAndre Hopkins. But in terms of his play style, at least what we saw at Washington, yep. it's a lot like DeAndre Hopkins. I think he's going to be one of those guys that when he gets to the NFL, people are going to be like, "Oh, he was a lot faster than we all gave him credit." It, it,
0: rem- it reminds he- me. He reminds me of T Higgins, honestly. Like he he's like a thicker version of T Higgins. Maybe maybe a, a touch shorter, but it's like. He's sort of a blend of T. Higgins and DeAndre Hopkins, which again is why you would be taking a player like that at number seven. We've had a few people in the comments say Brock Bowers. We've we've already talked a lot about Bowers in previous episodes. Um, we'll discuss that more. But but Bo and Tyler, a couple of you guys were mentioning Luther Burden, receiver at, at Missouri. Yes, he will be one of the top receivers picked next year. I, I think he's Stephon Diggs. So again, that speaks to the type of player that the, the Titans are looking for. I do think Neighbors has more... And I don't know what the right terminology is because I think Odunze is a more polished route runner and is sort of a, a more evolved, um, higher like understanding of the position currently. But I think Neighbors has Neighbors is your home run hitter at any point. Like Neighbors has point, that he, extra thing.
1: Okay. He, here's I think he could be like a little Tyreek Hill esque, right? A guy that you put the ball in his hand, he could take it, you know. 10 yard from 10 yards out or maybe five yards past the line of scrimmage and catch the ball and take it 90 yards down the field. And I think he can burn people pretty easily and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of how I view him. I'm not saying that he's Tyree kill in terms of anything else other than he's got that home run threat ability to him where he can just at any point, take a, take a screen 50 yards down the field for a touchdown.
0: I, I would love to hear anything else from Callahan. Again, I think it's more this week is is less about sort of what can you learn about the offensive system and what it's going to be like. We've got a lot of film for that, but I, I, I think that it's more about like what skill, what are there any specific traits that you really, really look for in a in a, in a given player? Because when we get to Rand Carthon, what I want to hear from Rand is how, how, how are you like, what is the evaluation process? And again, you're not going to get him to give away all state secrets here but it's sort of like give us some specifics about how you go about building your roster, evaluating players, Callahan from like an offensive scheme and sort of built, you know, coaching standpoint, Carthon from, from like an evaluation standpoint. I don't know if we get any of that stuff. I think, I think there's going to be plenty of questions of Rand Carthon from the Titans media corps about how does analytics affect your ability to, uh, you know, evaluate players? What, what, what things, what tools do you use? And I, I don't know if he's going to have any answers for us. Maybe he does. Maybe we've got a whole new Rand Carthon this week. Who knows?
1: Well, you know, I would like to know, like, and I think you could ask maybe both these guys this, because, I mean, people for kind of brush it under the radar or maybe forget about it. You know, Callahan kind of worked as a scout for the Bengals, right? And he's big in analytics. Carthon's big in analytics. What are What are some of these common traits that you look for in terms of, okay, are you guys a big believer in the three cone for a particular position?
0: Yeah.
1: And maybe like for corner, like their quarterbacks are the cornerbacks that Denard Wilson, uh, Chris Harris, um, uh, Brian Callahan, Anthony Robinson, uh, Chad Brinker and um, Brian Carthon. I think I named everybody. Um, All those guys all the cornerbacks that they have drafted have been really athletic. High RAS scores for the most part. Is that something, because they've mentioned now the athletic scores, do athletic scores weigh more for particular positions compared to other ones? Yeah. This is time for people to nerd out with their questions, in my opinion? Because I think that you're going to get a little su- surprised that you were able to ask a question about analytics and they're going to want to talk about analytics. It seems like you guys that want to talk about analytics, not about Andre fucking Dillard or, you know, Joe Alt or anything like that. They want to talk about, I think right. they want to nerd out. And I think that as the media should let them nerd out and may, and that I think you get more, so, I think you get more insight into those yeah. guys if you yeah. let them nerd out.
0: Let me give you let me give you an example. Um, and I, I was this close to going this this year, um, maybe next year. But one of the questions I would ask, and it probably would be more towards middle linebackers, something we've discussed on the team is a big need, not a first or second round need, but like something they might be targeting. I would love to know from either of them or both how how do you evaluate diagnostic skill? Like what what is it that you do? It, again, we we have this bullshit S two thing that was leaked last year that does provide some merit for That's quarterbacks still talking about that. It's still, but well, it's Now it's time to refresh all the stories from last year. And it's, you know, Hey, this got, he, he got, you know, whatever torpedoed by some, some leaked news. I, I just am playing middle linebacker. It, you can run a four, six, four 40 and be an elite middle linebacker because it's not about your 40 time. It is about how quickly you diagnose the play. And sometimes safety is the same. And in, and in the modern NFL where linebackers and safeties are asked to do so much more than they ever have before. And they need a middle linebacker, probably whatever round it might be later in the draft. We do know, by the way, that they have the eight tri- draft picks now because they got their compensatory stuff for the seventh round. That could change with free agency. But I, I like how in an, in a meeting with a player or studying film or using your analytics, like because we know that you measure stuff like oh, in a, in against the twelve personnel, this middle linebacker prospect lines up six inches closer to the line of scrimmage. Like they they know all that stuff, and I'd love to know how they measure diagnostic skill on a mid, on a middle linebacker prospect for example like that's something i would i think that they they would probably be willing to talk about
1: yeah i i think i would be very surprised if they didn't want to talk about it and i think that's why you kind of have to take a different approach it i feel like everybody's kind of still in the certain era of football and just in general and it's like, you. well, you can't pay two wide receivers and a quarterback. That's crazy. That's crazy talk. You can't do that. Why not? Where does that even come from that you can't do that? <laughs> okay, so I don't even know where that comes from. But it's also like, okay, Vrabel is gone. Let's let the hair down, media. Let's let's push the envelope. See how far you can push these guys to give you insight that we never would have gotten from, from Vrabel. So for me... It is, I'm looking at it and I go, um, this is a just a great time, just a great time <laughs> to ask all these questions. Yeah, ask no, questions about, you know, height, weight, RES. Ask questions about, you know, what drills do you think really matters? How much do you weigh the testing? How much has this ever affected your big board? Hey, Rain Carthon. Weird year last year. It's your first year. You're heading into your second year. What are you mo- more confident in and your ability?
0: Yeah. How At are you last different?
1: year? Yeah. Yeah. How are you different? How have you grown? How's um, your process changed? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his process could be totally different now. um You know, if he, I wouldn't really get into free agent talk. I wouldn't really ask him about Derrick Henry. I wouldn't ask him about T. Higgins. And I know people are, but I feel like that's just a waste of fucking time.
0: R- remember, T. Higgins. Spent the entire combine last year being a topic of trade rumors. (laughs) Yes. And then played the entire season for the Bengals (laughs) and is now tagged again. Um, I do like a couple of you guys. Bo, you mentioned Anaya Smith. Of course, I think he's an all-purpose guy that I think is actually going to move up boards um, throughout the course of this process. Maybe not because of the combine, but I think his versatility is going to move up boards. We've mentioned Square Up mentions Malachi Corley. That's a receiver you and I have both talked about. We like as a potential late second, early third round pick potentially. Uh, and Bo then comes back and says, now "You
1: said they have an extra seventh because of compensatory pick, but I have not seen that."
0: I, Jim Wyatt, I believe, um, tweeted it out okay. on f- Friday that they have eight picks, uh, three seven, yeah, three, se- three seven.
1: Did he did tell where they came? Where they came from?
0: Uh, I did. I, I, I was I was scrolling and I wrote it down. <laughs> so, doom doom scrolling on a Friday night, um, but they do have seven picks. Um, or excuse me, they do have eight picks because they have three sevenths. That is still. i trying to
1: track down this mysterious seventh, and I, I just, I'm. That's what I'm.
0: They're not. I'm I mean, they're not treme- of tremendous value. And honestly, some teams will tell you, like they, well, some players will tell you they prefer to be undrafted free agents because then they have control. So maybe that is does tell you that there's more value there than we, we think. So, um, okay, so I, I, I will be interested to see from a performance standpoint because Arthon wasn't exactly elite in his conversations at the owners meetings and the combine and everything last year where he sort of was kind of having a duck and dodge questions about trading players. And there was rumors getting out and all kinds of other stuff. And uh, I hope that they can just sort of focus on sort of nerdy football stuff this time. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Seekers beverages Kingston group, of course, provide us uh, the opportunity to bring you this product for free. So support good local businesses. They are owned and operated by Nashvillians in this market for you folks. Uh, We do not sell you products that are like international chain stuff. I'm sure there's good people doing good work in in those departments, but you want somebody that lives in Nashville to help you with your home? Kingston Group. You want someone who lives in Nashville to sell you booze and to sell you wine and to give you good advice about what bourbon to buy? Uh, Sinker's Beverages is your place. Sister Store Bluegrass Beverages, proud sponsor of uh, football and other F-words up there in Hendersonville as well. So make sure you check out both those stores and, of course, the Kingston Group. And if you want... Share the show. Give us a subscription on the YouTube page. We do really appreciate it. Give us the retweets. That's how we grow this thing, and that's how we're able to do more with the show. Like, you know, maybe next year we'll send Zach and Stony to to like the the Shrine Bowl as well. I don't know. We haven't decided. We haven't, we haven't decided yet. Um, I, don't, but, I
1: don't think. Uh, I don't think the wives could handle us being gone for two <laughs> weeks like that.
0: Well. It means we know we we know all of Stoney's sleeveless shirts will fit in a suitcase no matter where he goes. So it'll be fine. Sinkers, beverages, Kingston group. OK, um, anything else you want to hear from from Titans Brass? Or are you good?
1: I'm good. I mean, I think I think I just want to hear stuff that are that is different.
0: OK, I, I agree. And I think you will. I think you will. Brank Callahan is an extremely different uh, communications coach than Mike Rabel. yes so i think we will uh okay quickly here there's been so much stuff that has been going on in um in in the sec like this ncaa investigation into tennessee on friday the, the the tennessee attorneys general finally got a w he's basically been like vanderbilt in conference play uh as an attorney general but he he finally got a win and got the injunction in the ncaa the federal judge said oh no no you can't investigate NIL anymore. We've suspended all rules. So it's a total shit show. You've got the SEC floating the idea of a 16-team playoff, which is two more expanded from a 12-team uh, from a 12 playoff or a 14-team playoff as well. So they've got all these different rules and things that are happening. We've got preseason rankings up on, on the YouTube page right now with SEC teams, if you care about that. What, what is it that you think, uh, Zach? You can ask me anything you want about the SEC. I, I, I don't know. There's been so much shit. Oh, by the way... The greatest coach of all time, just a reminder, (laughs) is going to be on game day and is not a part of the SEC anymore. Um, You've got quarterbacks coming back that I think are going to be really interesting. College football is in this weird place where it's really, really hard to follow it all.
1: It's it's wild. I don't even know the full extent of what is trying to happen between University of Tennessee and the NIL. So in a nutshell, give me like a two or three-liner. Obviously, they failed. But why were they even trying to go after Tennessee and Virginia? I guess why so, is Virginia involved?
0: Because <laughs> it's a, it's a state. Uh, the two states filed a, a joint lawsuit. To, it's an antitrust lawsuit, which doesn't really have anything to do with the NCAA investigation. But if the but if an antitrust lawsuit says that the NCAA has no ability to regulate or oversee any of these things at these universities, because again, the NCAA and the University of Tennessee are technically the same thing. I think people have a hard time understanding that like the NCAA is merely a collection of institutions. So Alabama, LSU, Texas a Tennessee, they are the NCAA. So essentially, they're, they're, it's sort of like this weird in between where Tennessee could have violated every single rule in the Tennessee state code and the NCAA codes. But maybe the, the, ju- the jury and the judge is now saying a federal judge is now saying doesn't matter because the, the law was different in every state because the NCAA refused to put any laws in place. Which they could have done 30 years ago. So it's a that, that is my nut that's like the nutshelliest <laughs> way I can do it. That it doesn't make sense. Uh,
1: they just announced, by the way, Malik Neighbors is not gonna run at the combine, but he is going to do his pro day. There you go. And so that sounds about
0: that sounds about right. I don't know why they would do anything else. So ultimately, um, and the NCAA game is coming back. Because they reached an agreement to pay all the athletes through NIL, um, the NCAA keeps losing court cases. So ultimately, this is all going to end with, I think, a, a the NFLPA is going to create a subdivision that is going to be a player's union for college athletes. And they are the most qualified to negotiate for college athletes. Football is going to be broken away from every other sport so that it's treated like a business. And every other sport can go back to being regional so that all the volleyball teams and the water polo teams and the women's basketball teams and the softball teams can all compete like a normal, (laughs) like a normal college athlete and athletes in college football are going to make whatever they want. Some of it will be revenue sharing and collectively bargained with, with, you know, these TV partners putting in $8 billion into a playoff. So I I could see them wanting to expand uh, to 14 because it's like the nfl the more playoff games the more inventory the more inventory the more revenue but ultimately i think we're gonna have a north south in college football and it's gonna be like 24 teams the- ask,
1: so is that what you think that's gonna happen because yeah. uh, now i've read that's like four divisions inside each conference and then they're gonna use that to leverage into college football playoffs like what the fuck is going on yeah i'm just trying to get through the combine can the can college football (laughs) just shut the fuck up for a second
0: well this is the problem with college football is they haven't figured out how to spread out all of their shit in the calendar like the nfl does like the nfl knows that it wants like an interesting thing to happen every month right it's like oh it's going to be senior bowl after right after the super bowl and then it's going to be the combine and then it's going to be free agency and then it's going to be the draft like they build these tentpole things for their audience to consume and college football does like all 11 things at one time they're like Draft, free agency, coaching carousel, playoff—we're all going to do it in December and January. It's going to be at the yeah, same settle
1: time. Settle down, settle down, NCAA for <laughs> just a few months. Like, <laughs> let's get through the draft, and then listen during the downtime of training camp and OTAs—that's yeah. when you guys can have all your fun and you know creating these super conferences and inviting more people over and doing four divisions and all this stuff. Like, I ain't I ain't got time for all this? No time. I no I time would for you college football.
0: To, Bo, to Bo's point, no, nothing has really been decided. So the current playoff is going to be 12 teams with the five automatic bids, seven at-large bids, which is good for the SEC and, and, frankly, the Big Ten. For the first two years, but that's it. That's the only thing they've got figured out. After that, they could do whatever they want. Conference championship games, frankly, are, are irrelevant at this point. I, 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 if I'm a conference, I might be sort of figuring out a way to get rid of it. But if we get to a 24-team Big Ten, and a 24 team SEC, right? That's 48 teams. And that includes like a bunch of teams from the ACC and the in the Big 12, kind of mixed in. They they pick apart those two and leave the carcasses for dead and and take the best, you know, like I guess it'd be 6 to the Big 10 and 8 to the SEC. You would probably have like 7 teams from the SEC make the playoff and 7 teams from the Big 10 make the playoff just like the NFL. And instead of it being AFC NFC, you would have the Blue North and the Red South. <laughs> And you'd have big 10 and sec and the winner would play in the championship game every year. And I think that's actually as much as we want to be insular in the South because we're the best at college football. I still think it's better for the sport to have this rivalry with the big 10. I think it's good. It's healthy for the sport, for the big 10 and the sec to like have this, this hatred for each other. Cause they're way more alike than they ever want to realize. Like they're, they're way more alike culturally than anybody ever wants to admit. But, SEC people just love the college game while in Pittsburgh and Kansas city and green Bay and Chicago and Detroit, they show up for the NFL games. So, uh, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think it, do you think an SEC only tournament is a better thing to do? I don't, I don't think it is.
1: No, no, it's, it, it's, it's not the better thing to do and it will never declare who is the best team of the last season. And right. so it, right. it, it, you got to have that closure. You got to have that closure And I'm not going to for me, I'm not going to sit there and say, well, SEC is the best conference because look at our conference champions record compared to the Big Ten's conference champion or whatever college football. You didn't compete against anybody else in a tournament. That's the beauty of the tournament, right? The whole point of a tournament is to play against people that you do not normally go up against. So to me, it is time to for the SEC to just. Just enjoy college football. Like, why are we doing this to college football?
0: Well, it's this, not, is a,
1: this is a mess. This is a disaster.
0: I mean, part of this is the, actually the NCAA's fault for 25 years ago not fixing the stupid shit. Now, they are working right yep. now to try to get an antitrust exemption from Congress and from the United States, which they may get. And if they get that, then that might help solve some of these problems. They can start to, you know, do things. But again, capping people's earnings, that's very un-American and uncapitalistic. Uh, not paying your labor force in a multi-billion dollar industry, not very capitalistic or American, right. um, taking advantage of, of, I, I don't know, like none of this is, is, is all that American capitalistic standpoint. I know we all were obsessed with the former system and, but once the salaries got so big and the money got so big, we had to adjust it right around the turn, right around the turn of the century, frankly. And the NCAA had, there are people inside the NCAA I've talked to that were like, yes, we were, re- we knew this were happening. Like, got folks on the lower tiers that are like, yeah, we, we knew we had to address this issue and we just did nothing about it. So yep. it, it's, it's all coming home to roost in like these
1: eight,
0: eight I different don't, ways.
1: I don't see at some point. I mean, obviously, Greg Sankey's going to be Zara football at some point. I, I, I just have this weird feeling. But at, at some point, And I guess this is what the SEC and Big Ten is trying to do, and maybe it is the best thing to do—is like to seed from the union of the NCAA. But there's a lot of there's a lot of teams that need their involvement for their school, right? Like, how's that going to affect the schools that you know get paid two million dollars to get boat race fifty six to (laughs) fourteen? You know, like what happens to them? And so I don't know. I I just I just want everybody to calm down take some breaths let's think about this for a couple of years and enjoy the tournament as is set out enjoy the conferences that they're established now and not try to blow everything up every fucking few months
0: well and, and i think the other thing is to, to know is that right now you need all 10 votes to decide anything the, the 10 conferences which really is nine conferences because the pack two you have to have at least eight members of your conference to get a vote and And it's you have to have a, a unanimous vote to change anything. And that changes in two years, where the SEC and the Big Ten can make every decision. So they are currently right now sort of feeling their way out in terms of throwing their weight around. and how much can they lean on the big twelve or the ACC or the group of five or the NCAA and and sort of to make decisions. And Bo Bo says ESPN did this to college football. It's all about money and not what's best for the sport. I mean, I, look, you can you can say that ESPN is leading the charge on this, but Fox and NBC and CBS are just as guilty. And if it wasn't ESPN, it was going to be somebody else. Americans watch football full fucking stop. And if we're going to watch football, someone's going to make a fortune off of it. And therefore, the price of the coaches and the price of the facilities and the price of administration and the price of doing business goes up. It was going to happen, whether it was ESPN or whether it was some whether it was, you know, Apple TV or Netflix or whatever. It's just
1: it's just the the ncaa
0: the did this to college football like yes. i mean yes. let's
1: be honest The ncaa did
0: it the ncaa ha- could have tried to address all these issues when the money started changing at the turn of the century they chose to do absolutely nothing in part because they actually are a much smaller organization than people realize it's just a small collection of people in indianapolis and you know the schools had no the schools had no incentive to change this stuff now we're starting to see athletic directors don't like the portal being open when their coach gets fired, <laughs> you know, like the, the TV contracts the players like getting paid. The coaches don't like all the roster management. Like we're, we're nobody likes the way it is right now. And the fans to your point, just take a deep breath and try to enjoy a 12 team playoff with a brand new sec schedule. That's going to be freaking spectacular this year. Well, you can, you don't even know what the playoffs going to look like in two years. So I, yep. I, I agree. It's hard for fans right now. Cause I think the schedule is, the calendar is broken for college football and so are the rules. So, Um, but it it doesn't change. Saturdays in the fall are going to be great. Like we're going to have, it's going to be awesome. I mean, Georgia at Texas, Georgia at Alabama. I mean, we are going to have Tennessee at Oklahoma. I mean, give me like these new games are going to be awesome in the sec. It's going to be great. Um, But only on like Saturdays. the other days of the week maybe not so much all right so pay attention to Callahan and Duran Carthon this week you'll probably get some quotes and some comments uh, from them this week uh don't don't take the bait on social media topics about the combine it's not nearly as important as you think you don't if you're a great player you don't have to suit up and do anything it's not going to affect your draft stock the Titans are not going to trade for T Higgins like just don't Don't take the bait on a lot of stuff that's trying to get your attention and enragement this week. Uh, We'll be back on Thursday to give you what you really need, which is a thoughtful and nuanced look at the players that are participating this week at the Combine. How you should watch them, how you should study them, what you need to know about them, and what we think is going to happen as they start doing all their drills and their measurements over the course of next weekend. So we'll do that on Thursday. Otherwise, make sure you check out all the other great shows, football and other F-words. I know that the Paul Karski podcast is up there. I know Easton and JT and the Hot Read podcast is up there. Stoney Keeley, SoBros Network for Film Breakdowns, Inside Stack in the Inbox. Make sure you check that out. Uh, All kinds of other great stuff. If you care about the Preds, Nashville SC, SEC Football, you can get all that stuff here from the 440 Sports Network if you care about what's going on in the South or in Tennessee or in Nashville, we've got you covered. So, um, otherwise, I think that's about it. Uh, Zach, thank you for hanging out. Thanks for listening. To everybody out there, please rate, review, subscribe. I'm not just saying that. I'm actually asking. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I'm
1: laughing because Dove Kleiman puts out breaking: the Titans will not franchise tag running
0: back Derrick Henry per Adam Schefter.
1: Well, no fucking shit. Do we need Adam Schefter to tell us that?
0: No, I don't. That's know. a perfect way to end the show. <laughs> <laughs> everybody, thank you for listening. Thanks to Sinkers and Kingston Group. We'll have a good, have a good week, everybody. We will talk to you on Thursday.